Hey everybody, welcome to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams and I'm the lead pastor here. Very excited to be able to hang out with you today and share with you some, some good news from God's Word and um, hopefully, hopefully encourage you in a way to maybe bring your butt to church. I mean, we would love to have you. We want you to come be a part of what God is doing uh, at Southside in one of our two locations at our Redstone campus, our Commerce campus. You can find us at southside.online. You can get all the information you want to know right there. Come and see us. We would love to. You know, a lot of people, they'll say, man, I would go to church, but there's too many hypocrites there. Well, you know what? I like to say, we'll take more. Come on. Why don't you get that butt out of the way and bring it to church and let's see what gets. Y'all, I, I have wanted to do this series for many, many years, and I've really probably either not had the guts to do it or couldn't figure out how to do it, and it just worked. It just all fell into place, and so, uh, you know, we started with saying, don't show, stop showing off your butt, and and uh, last week was get your butt in gear. This week is get your butt out of the way. And, uh, you know, that's it. We just, that's just what we're doing. We're talking a lot about it. And uh, that's okay. Every excuse, though, because that's what it is. When you use the word but, uh, it's generally tied to an excuse. And every excuse we make is an area where we prefer our way over God's way. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? That's what we want to do. We, it's so hard. It is a fight that is so difficult. We want our way. And we throw an adult temper, temper tantrum with God when we don't get what we want. And I think it all stems back to who's in control. We want to be in the center seat, a control seat of our life. When really, when you give your life, commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's in the center. And that's one of the values that we hold here. One of the statements that we say a lot is that Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And we want to build real followers of Jesus Christ. And I, I believe that happens when you know God personally, when you find community in a, in a local church gathering and setting, when you grow deeper in your faith, when you get involved and allow that, to, that, that faith to get alive and go to work. And then you help make disciples. That's what we want to do. We want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here in northeast Georgia. So come be a part of it. Bring your butt. Bring your excuses. And, and man, let's, let's get our butt out of the way. And then today we're talking about prayer. And uh, it's one of, it's, I, I think people say they pray a lot. Um, and then I really question it sometimes, you know. I'm like, I don't, I don't, because I look at my own life and I think, you know, I, I, I need to pray more. I need to be more uh, focused in my prayer life. I mean, just today, I was praying, and I would lose my train of thought, and I would think about this, that, or the other, and I thought, oh, God, why can't I stay focused here? But you know, a lot of people, they would say, I would pray, but I don't know how. Some people will even take it a step further and go, you know what, I would pray, but I just don't know what to say. Well, let me help you with that. One of the verses that I believe is critical in the Bible, statements that Jesus made, it's, it's one for us to remember. I mean, if there's a verse you could maybe write down, remember, call to memory when you need it, just a daily reminder, it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew is one of the original disciples, 12 disciples of Jesus. He was a tax collector that Jesus invited called to come and follow him and in that Matthew later on after Jesus has died he's he's been resurrected and ascended to heaven he sits down and writes this gospel letter to the Jewish people to show them 
that Jesus is their one true king. Jesus is the true king of the Jews, their Messiah and Savior. And one of the statements Jesus made in his famous Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus told the people gathered that day, he said, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be provided for you. As a church, we've been walking through this Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 since August. Here we are in January. And the goal is to get to the end of the sermon, which is the end of Matthew chapter 7. And so we'll be there eventually. But here we're talking, we're looking at Matthew 6. And to me, it's got a whole lot of butts in it. Jesus deals with a lot of butts in this passage, in this, in this chapter. But at the end of the chapter, he makes this statement. And he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. What things? All the buts that we bring in our relationship with God, the excuses that we make. I would go to church, but. I would serve, but. I would read my Bible, but. I would tithe, but. I would invite somebody to church. I would share my faith, but. I would pray, but. I just don't know how. I don't know what to say. Jesus gives us an indicator right here when it comes to all of those things. It all stems around what you seek first. And, and when we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, which, by the way, is a big church word, a big Bible word, but what does it mean? It simply means this, to be made right with God. I'll ask you that question. Do you want to be made right with God? Do you want to be good with God? Well, righteousness means to be made right with him and to do right according to his word. And so God doesn't want you just to be right with him. He wants you to live right. And he shows us how to do that. Today, we're going to talk about what true, real, biblical prayer looks like. Biblical prayer is an act of faith. It is an expression of dependence upon God. And, and it's, it's important, I think, for us to know when we're praying, and one, who are you praying to, Two, what are you going to say? How are you going to treat him? And, and what are you going to talk about when you come before God? Because a lot of people think, man, does God hear me? I mean, do these things, am I just talking to the ceiling? Or am I just talking out and out? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Well, let's go back to the Bible. Because today, I believe God speaks in one of five ways. In the Old Testament, God spoke audibly. I don't know what that sounded like, but it had to be terrifying. Okay, but here God speaks to us today in one of five ways. Number one, he speaks through his word. That's primary. That is central. I mean, I'm going to ask you this. If you come to me and tell me you're struggling in your faith, the very first question I'm going to ask you is, well, number one, do you know Christ as your Savior? But number two, do you read the Bible? I'm going to tell you nine out of ten times people tell me no. Or they'll say it this way. You know, Pastor, not like I should. You know what that translates to? That means no. <laughs> I really don't, but you're the pastor, and I need to try to look good in front of you. Okay? I get that. But let's just be honest, okay? That is not a place for me to scold you and say, you bad Christian, you. No, that's not what this is. This is a place for us to define where we are. And God speaks primarily today through his word. That's how he's going to talk. And, and, and we need to understand that and look to his word for that. But he also speaks through prayer. 
He really does. He speaks through prayer. We just have to learn how to listen and what to look for and what to hear. He also speaks through the church. I hope that, that God speaks to you through these moments. I hope you'll come join us in person. Let God speak to you through those environments. He speaks through godly counsel. And, and anybody can get counsel from anywhere, but I want it to be godly and wise. And finally, his, he speaks through circumstances so that he can reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Today, in Matthew 6, we see the prayer that Jesus calls, or actually, he didn't call it this. Some, someone else later on coined the prayer this way, that it is the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer that he gave to us, but it's, it's really for the disciples and the followers of Jesus. We really should call it the Disciples' Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer takes 20 seconds to read aloud or to quote from memory. But it really does take a lifetime to learn. But when it's applied and practiced to your life, when it's applied to your life and practiced in your life, I believe it can turn your world not upside down, but right side up. We've talked about this statement. If you're new, hadn't watched it, hadn't been a part, just really want to break this down today, this equation. And I think it's so evident within this prayer that a change of pace plus a change of place can bring a change of perspective. Today, I want to share with you a prayer that truly changes things. When Jesus, when Jesus was sitting here talking on this day, because that's what they did in that day, the teacher would sit, the listeners would stand. And so they're on this mountainside, this hillside, and Jesus is sitting. And the people that are listening that day are all gathered around. We know that his disciples were there. We know that there were other followers there. Some people believe, some scholars believe, that the number could have been in the hundreds of people gathered that day. And, and the teaching of Jesus was so unique to what they had seen and heard that he was actually teaching like he had true knowledge and experience in it, like he actually believed it and lived it out. And so it just mesmerized people and it just drawed people in to a, a conversation and a listening environment to him. And one of the things they wanted to know was, Lord, show us how to pray. What was, that, was, that was one of their statements. Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus showed them this prayer. And so when we talk about the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer, we truly see a prayer that changes things. Not just a, a prayer like you if you played any sports in high school in the state of Georgia, at least where I played, at least where I'm from and what I've been a part of. The Lord's Prayer is, is used right before the football team either goes out on the field or, or goes from the sideline to the field. And it's just, it's, it's prayed not in 20 seconds, but like in five. Our Father, who art in heaven, our Lord be in the name of the kingdom. Come, you get it in right? Yeah! Whoa! And you're ready to go like obliterate people. <laughs> I think maybe we use prayer that way, especially this prayer. is like some special kind of armor or covering that if we just utter these words, God will place over our life. It's really not what it is. What this is is a, is a, is a communication between you and God. It's, it's a way for people who didn't know what to say 
to all of a sudden a God who wanted to know them personally, it, it was blowing their mind, and they're like, what do we say? And Jesus said this, pray like this. It's a prayer that changes things. Number one, it's a prayer that changes my pace. And so Jesus said this, we've already covered this last week, but in Matthew 6, verse 6, he said, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your private room. Why did he say that? Because the religious leaders that they had seen and watched, they, they, they were people that wanted to be seen praying. They wanted to be heard praying. They prayed loud, long, and lengthy prayers. That's what they did. They prayed to be, they prayed, they prayed to be seen and heard, not by God, but by other people. And so this is a prayer that changes your pace. Jesus said, stop what you're doing. Slow down. Find you a private place. And then go into there and pray to your Father who is in secret. Pray with eyes and ears to see and hear from him only. And to talk to him only. And then he makes you this promise. And your Father, which this was revolutionary to these people. They didn't, no, one, no one ever talked, to, talked about God like he was their Father. No one did that. And this was totally new. It's like Luke Skywalker finding out that Darth Vader is his father. Luke, I'm your father. You know, that's, it's kind of that way. As Luke Skywalker goes, no. This was brand new to them. This was brand new language to them. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to go to somebody else to pray. You don't have to go to somebody else to, to hear and to get a word from God. You can get it yourself. Get into a quiet place, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. See, the Lord's Prayer really is an incredibly dangerous prayer. Why? Because it threatens our comfort and it devalues our ease of living. We are setting aside our agenda so that we can pursue God's agenda. That's what this is. It's, it's dangerous because it threatens our comfort and the, the ease of living that we so desire. Listen, we want that. We want to be more comfortable. We want to ease, an easier way of living life. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come with me, it's going to be difficult. He said, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross daily. Then come and follow me. That's discipleship. Translation, it's not easy, it's hard. And you're going to need someone who is with you that you can go to, you can confide in, you can talk to. And so this is a prayer, number one, that if you want to change your pace, it's going to cost you. you got to change your pace. you got to slow it down, make time, get in a quiet space to hear from God. But number two, and we're going to get into the prayer now, it's a prayer that changes my place. You already said that. You said get into a place where it's quiet and alone and you've got a spot with God. Not that kind of place, okay? This, this is a prayer that changes my pace of living and it changes my place, where I currently reside, where I am in life. This is a prayer that impacts me in a powerful way. And so Jesus said, they wanted to know how to teach us to pray. He said, therefore, therefore you should pray like this. If you want to know how to pray, pray this way, okay? Walk this way, talk this way. 
just give me a kiss. No, that's a whole different thing, okay? Therefore, he said, pray like this. Our Father, revolutionary, to think of God like this. The Jews would have considered, the religious leaders would have said, this is, to use this kind of language, is absolutely blasphemous. It is completely irreverent to call God that way, to refer to God as your father in that intimate of a way. But isn't that what intimacy is? Intimacy is that. It's into me, you see. It's intimacy. Where isn't intimacy irreverent? I mean, really, at its, for, at its, at its truest form, intimacy is so close, it's so personal, it's so unique that it is, anybody else would look at it as irreverent. They do, because you are in such a unique, intimate relationship with another person. That's what Je- Jesus said, it should be that way. That you should be so close to your father that you can just talk to him. Hey, dad, daddy, my heavenly father. I just want you to know I love you today. I just want you to know I appreciate you. I'm so thankful for you today. And it's a, hey, daddy, I know you know, but I'm just so, I'm so glad that I didn't get called for speeding today, right? No, I'm just kidding. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's just an ongoing conversation. And that's where we intro here. Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. The prayer begins with the correct view of God. It's our correct view of God. Jesus Jesus is saying, you can call him your Father. That's the right view to have of him. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. This leads to allowing God to, to, the way we view God and the way we see his name and the way we want him to be or, allow, or allowing him to be involved in our life. God is God and God can do what he wants to do. But here Jesus is saying this is about inviting him in to have complete control over your life. Our Father in heaven. This is, his, this is our view of him, and then we get into the involvement that we want him to have in our life. He says, your name, may it be honored as holy. May your name be viewed as special, significant, unique, one of a kind. Shouldn't that be the way we treat our spouse? Shouldn't that be the way we treat our family, those that are close to us? that we value them, we hold them in high honor and esteem. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about God's involvement in our life. Jesus is is asking God to, to reshape your heart. You're asking God, you're offering him your heart. God, I want you to reshape my life. And I'm not asking you to do my will in heaven. I'm wanting your will that's done even in the heavens to be done in here, in this life. When I pray this, I I don't just pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just, I stop and I say, Lord, I do want your will to be done in my life. I want your will to be done in my marriage, in the lives of our children, in our home, in this church, in, in, in these settings. 
I don't want your will to be done. I want to do what you want to do. So show me that. Lead me in that. Reveal that to me. And, and may, it, may it be done here, just like it's done there. He goes and he talks not just about God's involvement, but then he talks about God taking over control of our life. He says, God, give us today. Give us today our daily bread. He goes from God's control in our life to God's provision for us. God, give us today our daily bread. Meet the needs of today. This may not be a big deal to you because you can go home and in your pantry, you've got all kinds of choices in your refrigerator. Go to the grocery store. Go to a a Chick-fil-A or a fast food restaurant. Your choices are endless. Now, your bank account may determine what you can get, but the choices are there. They didn't have that luxury back then. And, you know, on top of that, he's speaking on a Sunday, Chick-fil-A's closed. And, I mean, they just couldn't get, you know, they just couldn't do it. I'm just joking. But, but they didn't have those luxuries. They didn't have a closet full of clothes. They didn't, most of them didn't, they didn't have climate-controlled homes and, and, and cars to travel in and all of these things. Life was hard. And, and literally, most of the time, they were praying and trusting God to give them what they needed for that day. And here, Jesus says to do that. He says, honor his name as significant. Treat him as holy and loving. Ask for his will to be done in your life. His involvement, his provision for you. Not just in, in food, clothing, and shelter, but he said also in forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, Jesus, John said, he said, if, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we're asking God to forgive us on a daily basis, to acknowledge our sin, confess our sin before him. Best time to do that is when you do it. God, bring knowledge and attention to my sin, but Lord, help me forgive the debt that I have toward you. Because at the end of the day, that's who you owe. The debt is to God, but you already have forgiveness and grace, and God has poured it out in amazement in your life, and it should amaze us, but it should also lead to us forgiving others. So, Lord, don't don't just forgive me of my debt. Lord, help me to forgive those that have sinned against me. And then he moves from that to, to looking at what the devil comes to do in our life. The acknowledgement that you and I have an enemy, one who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is very real. He is very active and very powerful. The flesh is very real. It's something inside of us that we deal with regularly. It wars against God. The world, the belief system that is out here in the world that's opposed to anything godly. Those three things come to war against our soul to turn us away from the God who loves you and the Savior who died for you and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and wants the best for you. So Jesus said, pray. God, don't lead us, don't bring us into temptation, but instead deliver us from the evil one. We acknowledge the enemy and we ask for you to remove us from temptation. He's not saying pray for willpower. This is not about your power, it's about his power. 
This is not about you having the ability to overcome something in your life and having the, 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 the wherewithal to say no. This is about giving God's power, letting it go to work in your life. And so he says that. He said, pray this, God, don't lead me into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, the, the Lord's Prayer, it expresses the holiness and intimacy of God. That's what it does. I want to be holy and intimate. I, I recognize your holiness, and I want to be close to you. It, it, it recognizes and expresses the forgiveness of God in your life. It expresses God's love and care for his people. And it brings deliverance for us from the power of darkness. It really is a prayer that doesn't just change your pace. It also changes your place. Where you are right now in life. So where are you? What is going on in your life right now? Is God actively at work? When you pray, do you just give him a list of requests and needs and wants and desires? Or do you want what he wants? Because when we get the pace right, and we get the place right of him working in our life, this is a prayer that can change your entire perspective. Jesus says this, this is how you end it. For yours is the kingdom. That's about giving God the rightful place in your life. This is about you. This is your kingdom. Yours is the power. That's the power that I need, that I long for and want and desire in my life. And ultimately, you get the glory forever. Ultimately, may my life be a life of worship to you because of all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Amen. And then Jesus brings in two clarifying points that are very important about where we stand in this world. He said, for if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But, you know, you got to bring that but to church. You got to bring this but to a relationship with God. He said, if you don't forgive people, your Father won't forgive you either. Now, that's a dangerous and scary and frightening statement. But the Lord's Prayer today, the Lord's Prayer enables us to give more weight to our worship than we do to our worry. It really does. Cast your cares on Him today. Just this prayer, this format, this formula, it gives you the ability, the opportunity, the way to really give more weight to worship than you do worry. The Lord's Prayer it enables you to give more weight to our empowerment than we do our enemy. We want God to empower us to live this life. Stop giving the devil room and traction to move and work in your life. Stop it. Instead, turn it over to God and let him empower you to live this life. And the Lord's Prayer enables us to give more weight to our future than we ever did to our failures. So today, man, quit living life. Quit living life as if Jesus is still nailed on the cross. Because he's not. And start living life like he is Lord of your life. Open up. Give him control and access to who you are. 
and to what he has made you to be. Let God go to work inside of you through his word, through prayer, through the church, through godly counsel so that he can show you who he is and what he wants for your life. It truly is the best way to live. Today, you know what? If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. But this is a prayer. This is a prayer. And if you'll let it, if you'll let it change your pace and slow it down, find a quiet place to pray. I believe God will use it to change your place and where you are and what you're going through because that brings a change of perspective. Look, if you don't know Christ today as your Savior, I would love for you to pray with me. Let me introduce him to you today. Simply pray this. Say, Father God, I'm choosing today to believe in you. And I believe that you sent your one and only Son to be my Savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm asking you today to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Jesus, make me right with you. Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to choose you. I'm ready to say yes to you today. Amen. You know, take this prayer. Take the Lord's Prayer. Take his word. Come to church. Make some decisions today that will help you not just for today, but in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. I pray you have a great day. Love to see you at Southside real soon. Bye-bye.